Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. We are almost like the traveling Wilburys of wrestling podcasts, like a super group put together to talk wrestling. That guy is Lars Fredrickson. I'm Dennis Farrell. We are going to hit your emails. Then we got David Finley coming back. The last time he was on, I think it was September 2001. That's how long ago. It feels like it was like. 2001? Yeah. No, we've had him on since then. Was it? I When I went through. 2000, 2001, Dennis, is 22 years ago. Oh. <laughs> was he even born? I meant either <laughs> way. I'm not good with years. 2000, Man. maybe 21? Sounds about right. Hey, yeah, listen. Yeah. Enjoy the first podcast of 2014. We can't wait for 2015 to come along. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Let's hit these emails. We're going to start with one. By the way, you're used to this. For me, this is new. I got recognized in public. Oh, yeah? What was his name? His name was Tyler Call. He even sent us an email. That's nice. On a first date with a girl. Uh, going oh. great. Yep. Going great. I had to run out because we were we met at a bar in a mall. And the mall was closing, so I ran around, got her car, and drove it back around. It was like six degrees. I didn't want her to run out there. I come through the wrong interest. This guy. So was, wait, you were on a first date? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I so was. Tyler wasn't on a first. No, date. Tyler was at work, which I walked into, oh, gotcha. and he goes, "Dennis." I go, "Yeah." Like I think I, Tyler, I'm going to tell you the truth. For a half second, I'm like, do I know this guy? Do I do? Am I like, is this a friend of mine? Am I going to be like an a hole if I don't recognize him? Like, hey man, how are you? Like, you know, when someone greets you like they know who you are, and then you don't know if it's a fan or if it's a friend or someone you knew in your past, or you're trying to figure it out in your head as as he's talking. That's what was going on. He's like, me and my buddy RJ, we listen to your podcast, we love it. Well, yeah, I was like, this is awesome. So That's I said, awesome. hey, write in, let let me know your name so I can give you a proper shout out. So Tyler, thank you. Um, Tyler has a question. So I've had this what if thought going through my head after the Royal Rumble. 
The bloodline is the top storyline in professional wrestling at this moment. So in my opinion, it'd be genius if WWE had the bloodline turn on Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber, fall in line behind Sami Zayn as a new head of the table. Imagine the pop from the crowd, different ways you would have them turn on each other, but could you imagine Sami Zayn carrying the bloodline after Elimination Chamber? There's so much more, but I shortened the email. But essentially, that's what Tyler wants to know. By the way, Tyler, thank you. And, you know, and, and by the way, before you answer this, Tyler, fuck you. Because I was like, Tyler, will you come back and pretend you just met me in front of this girl so I seem cool? Motherfucker didn't show up. So <laughs> thank you, Tyler. He's like, whatever, dude. Yeah, that's exactly um, prima donna. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I mean, that's a great – I mean, I thought that that would, might, that would be – something that would have happened i feel like you know we're still kind of there but i I, you know where that could obviously potentially happen i don't you know you never rule anything out you've seen crazier things but i i just want to know how it plays out with the cody story you know because now because cody you know if after the royal rumble sammy was obviously probably the biggest baby face right but then you cut fast forward to the monday night raw and the Heyman Cody Rhodes exchange, now Cody Rhodes becomes the biggest baby face in the company again. So it's almost like he took it back. It might have took taken a week, a week later or whatever. But you know, so it, it it's gonna be kind of interesting how to see what they do. Because that I definitely think that what Tyler was was suggesting is something that was probably on the table at some point. See, I'm going to go a different route and and say Sami Zayn created a problem for WWE booking where I think they just threw Sami Zayn in there because he wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. He'll get some laughs with the bloodline. They'll turn on him, kick him out. No one will kill, care about it. And then he'll go off and do some comedy act down the line or, you know, uh, feud to see who's going to face somebody for the Intercontinental Champion and everybody moves on. People seem to care. Sammy got over. And I think it created a crazy booking problem because now, you know, you have people wanting to see Sammy over Cody, who they brought Cody in to be the face of the company. Well, I don't I don't necessarily know if that's actually the case, but I do think that like Sammy's always had the crowd since he's been, I mean, at least in the last couple of years that I've seen when he was an IC champ, I think he had the crowd there as a heel. Um, so I I don't I don't necessarily think that i don't i don't think that they knew what they had in their hands but honestly and a lot of people feel this way it wasn't until the inclusion of Sami Zayn into the bloodline story that it actually became interesting to a a great larger a larger audience i know for me you know that's that's exactly what happened for me in my case but uh i definitely don't think that he's not i don't think he's not a superstar i don't think he's not like a guy that can you know i i think there's a few things that hold him back but at the end of the day like they said the same things about mcfoley let me ask you this off the top of the head question if you were to rake these three moments the the birth of kofi mania because of the fans daniel bryant because of the fans and now Sami Zayn because of the fans where would Sami Zayn rank up in those two moments for you? I would probably say I would go Kofi, Sammy, Brian, honestly. I mean, I never, I, uh, you know, I love Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan, American Dragon. I mean, I used to watch him on the Indies all the time, 
So, and Japan, the J Japanese stuff he did was always very, very good. Um, when he got to the WWE, I, it sort of, it took a lot away from him, I think, in a weird way. But he, you know, as talented as he is, turned that around and, you know, made something out of it. Well, this is from but Dion. I'm going to leave where he's from and his last name off. Uh, Dion, Dennis, please stop being some kind of dictator asshat every week. I keep writing and asking Lars about Rancid and his thoughts on the landscape of music. And every fucking week, you keep not picking my emails. Fuck you, dude. I got your email, buddy. <laughs> well, check it out. Uh, this is not a podcast about Rancid. This is not a podcast about music. This is uh, a podcast about professional wrestling. So if you want to know about my schedule or if you have questions for me um you can always ask them to me if you see me in person i'm happy to take my time and 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 uh you know tell you what you need to know if if, if it's something that i can answer obviously but uh you know this is a wrestling podcast this is not about you know rancid or you know this is about our fandom it has nothing to do with music if anything, it has it's 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 opposite of that. And that's the reason why I do it. I didn't I don't I you know, for me personally and Dennis, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you know, you keep it about wrestling. Um, but this is kind of what do I what I enjoy when I'm not doing those other things. This is a true passion of mine and it has been since, you know, I was before I was in bands. So, you know, uh and and hang on one sec. Dion's mom. Make sure he doesn't send those emails anymore. Sorry, she's over his Dion's mom. Yeah, now you're now you're being mean, Dennis. Now you're yes, being I mean. am. Yes, I am. Dion, I appreciate the email. I read one of them. Have a good day. How about that? Moving on. All right. Uh, Kenyon Marsek wants to know why is it so far hard for me to connect with Cody Rhodes? There's something about this guy I just don't like. You know, I had the same problem with him uh, when he got into AEW, like the later on, you know, the last year or so that he was in AEW. Um, obviously, I love the Stardust thing. I really love that thing. I mean, um, I loved what he was doing with his brother. I thought that was the best, you know, thing that, that I had seen on TV in a long time. I guess I was the only one, maybe. Um, and I, I definitely connected with him there. I just don't. For me now, watching him and watching those Seth Rollins matches, because, uh, you know, it was kind of like, you know, Seth is such like that hipster douche. And, you know, he's just like kind of a hipster douche dude that like thinks he's doing you a favor at the coffee shop by making you a cup of coffee. So, I, you know, and that's I don't know how much that is of him in real life. I don't know. But um, yeah, so I, I feel like, you know, watching him beat up a hipster douche is kind of what made me like him, you know? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of get it. I think my problem with Cody Rhodes is every single Cody Rhodes promo is the same. I came up. I just, I 100%, I 100% totally disagree. And if you haven't seen that exchange between him and Paul Heyman, then you're, then to say that. Oh, I, we, we don't agree on, this might be the first time we don't agree on something. No, we don't agree on a lot of stuff, Dennis. It's just not televised. Oh, but, but I mean, the thing I will say is like, if you didn't see that promo between him and Paul Heyman, then you're, then you, you can't use that argument. He doesn't do the same promo. He was the one that captured that moment. Paul Heyman obviously is great to work with and, you know, obviously elevates 
people he's with because he's just a genius in that sense and learned from you know cody's dad but honestly like uh you know i don't think that that are i think that argument is old and tired i don't i don't i don't think believe that to be true i think that he's the face of that company and i feel like it's about time and i feel like he needed to mature a little bit um but if you're having a problem connecting i get it because i don't fucking get roman reigns right so it's like i never have i never will I, do, I i just find them boring let's do one more before we bring our guest david finley back on uh chad jameson from texas what storyline wise wrestler is the dumbest wrestler not figuring figuring out a swerve in the history of wrestling for you so i think he's saying what wrestler storyline wise was the dumbest wrestler because he couldn't figure out when he was getting swerved i mean that's like i, I mean uh, I, the only thing i can think about is like sting always trusting rick flair and we as fans always knew rick flair or the four horsemen would turn on him um i mean would you say hogan in that? yeah i mean i would go hogan macho man because yeah. i always felt like that was like you know, I mean, that, that, and that probably played out in real life a little bit too, you know? And if you, you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan, I, I don't think is, is known for his honesty. <laughs> I don't think people go, well, Hulk Hogan, he was honest, you know, but uh, yeah, I would say more like the Hulk Hogan macho thing, maybe, I, but I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know. Bret right. Hart, Vince McMahon. That, that might be another good one. All right, listen, guys, you want to get your emails in, wrestlingperspective at gmail.com. We always have room for them. We'll make sure we get them. Uh, I will tell you, Adam and uh, Nick, we'll get to yours next week, but we got them. Guys, thank you so much for every week for emailing us. And in just a second, uh, we have uh, David Flair. So we'll be David right back. David Flair? David Flair. David Finley. Sorry, I was, I'm like, in my mind, I'm ready to get to the next I think, segment. I think Dennis has got <laughs> Yeah. So a water. little time, a little too much. David Finley, New Japan Pro Wrestling, will be on in two seconds to talk about the San Jose show, which Lars will be at. So uh, we'll be right back. Lars, we're back. David Finley joining us. And Dave, welcome back to the show. It's been quite some time since you've come on. Uh, we're super glad that you are here and talking about the New Japan Pro Wrestling San Jose show coming up. Lars, when is that? Since you'll be there. I believe it's the 19th. Is that correct, Dave? It is Saturday. I probably should have known this right off the top. I know. So it's the same with us. Uh, I believe it is Saturday the 18th. The 18th. It's the 18th, but it's sold out. Yeah. So it's uh, it doesn't you can't even go, matter. You but can't you can go. watch it any place you get your pay-per-view. So order now. It's going to be the hottest pay-per-view well, ticket. I think you can get it on pay-per-view uh, through Fight TV. If if memory serves me correct, so I'm correct. Yes, and I'm pretty excited about it. But anyways, Dennis, Dave, uh, last time we talked to you, you were, I believe, at that time, you were tag team champion in Impact and maybe New Japan at the same time. Uh, no, I think I was just the uh, Impact tag team champion at the time. Um, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be back. A lot's changed. Now you are venturing out on your own. Uh, 
you know, you don't have your buddy Juice with you right now, which is is a shame. I liked you both as a tag team. Is there an adjustment for you now? Because you kind of lose, and I've listened to many interviews back then and now, and you kind of refer to him as your big brother. And now you're venturing off into this wrestling landscape without your big brother. Uh, well, I'm actually really enjoying being on my own. Um, it's been cool. I got to do the G1. I think I did a pretty good job in the G1. I uh, main evented a pay-per-view against Will Ospreay unsuccessfully uh, against uh, him for the United States Championship. Um, so it's been kind of successful. Had a couple really, really close ones, uh, but I'm really chasing that big one this next year. Well, you know, New Japan is obviously making a bigger splash here in America with TV, with partnerships, you know, with Impact. You know, you see some of the wrestlers on, you know, pretty much a lot of the different TV shows. Um, how do you, how are you seeing this company grow? Because you kind of were there sort of at the precipice of what's happening right now. Um, well, so I've been there kind of right around when they first got New Japan World. So I've kind of been along the ride for, I mean, since 2015. Right. Oh, just to, to see the presence of New Japan grow. Uh, in the States has been really cool. I, I slowly but surely we're becoming um, more widely recognized. Uh, I, I think New Japan is the highest caliber of professional wrestling. Um, I think that's the standard that we carry proudly. Um, so yeah, and I, I think, you know, any fan of wrestling likes good wrestling. So the more eyes we can get on New Japan, I think the more it's going to grow. It's just uh, an organic thing that'll happen. Just the other day and, and kind of sticking on this, I kind of noticed there's I'd say maybe the generation before you, uh, we always talk about how there's not much loyalty in sports, whether it's pro sports, baseball, basketball, and even wrestling. Uh, you are so one of those guys that seem to be the exception to the rule where y- you keep coming back home to New Japan. You're happy there. You've mentioned in many interviews how this is where you want to be. This is where you want to grow. Is Is that something that I, I guess the question is, how does that seed get planted in you where you're not chasing the contract, but you're chasing the skill and you, you seem to be chasing getting better over the big contract? Yeah, so I, I want to be world champion. Um, you are my as everyone, Yeah, <laughs> thank you. As everyone, like, I mean, like I'm a fourth generation wrestler. Wrestling is ingrained in me. It's, it's, yeah. it's all we talk about. When I'm with my dad, when I'm with my grandfather, it's like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. But my family hasn't had a world championship. So for me, uh, to be the pinnacle, to be at the pinnacle of wrestling would be to be the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. So like, I have unfinished business in New Japan. Like That's been my goal since day one. And like, I I can't go anywhere else. Don't want to go anywhere else until uh, really ever. But like, that's my goal. And until I achieve that, I'm I'm not crossing any other bridges well there's been a lot of development with the character and there's been different sorts of looks and things that have happened over the last you know a couple years and you kind of do one thing and do one thing over here so what's inspiring you right now where are you at with that creative creatively as far as like how you're presenting yourself um so right now i call myself the rebel and to me it's representative kind of just how I feel about like growing up in the new Japan system. You know, I've done everything by the book. 
and uh, I, my accolades are uh, far and few between. And uh, so for me, it's like, no, I got to do things my way. I got to do things as a Finlay, not as a New Japan young boy, not as a New Japan wrestler, but I got to do things as a Finlay. I got to do things my way. So uh, that's kind of how I approach, you know, my matches, uh, you know, any any people that I'm feuding with. It's just like, I got to make this about me. Well, how are you separating the new Japan new boy to the man that you're becoming now? I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's where I really want to get a little bit into this because, you know, you've been, you, you kind of identified yourself as new Japan. Does that make sense? So is yes. it, is it conflicting with, with what you're trying to do now? Uh, I don't think so. Um, for me, the big difference maker is my shillelagh. Um, you know, I, I, I carry that as one is kind of like my banner going into battle. Like I, this represents the Finlay family, but also like it's my insurance policy. It's, you know, it's a weapon, um, in Irish culture. This is like, you know, once you have your shillelagh, this is, you're a man, this is your rite of passage, but it's number one intention is as a weapon. So, uh, to me and time will show, time will tell, but to me, the shillelagh is the difference maker. Well, you, you, you know what? I just want to say that I that your father hit me in the head with the shillelagh once in Madison, Wisconsin. So really, I, yes, <laughs> and it fucking hurt, bro. Yeah, my uh, my little brother used to chase me around the house with my dad had like five or seven or eight of them laying around <laughs> all over. The so like my little brother is ten years younger than me would like chase me around the house with these things, just winging them at me. So I know how they feel. Well, your dad was always very gracious with me and, you know, so, but I, he, he hit me right there. Oh my God. It hurt for days. I digress. <laughs> you, you know, this, at least for me following you, this might seem like the first time you've really leaned into your Irish heritage in a, mm -hmm. in a wrestling gimmick. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys that go out there and work really hard to separate themselves from their parents' legacy. You seem like a guy that it, it just kind of came natural where there wasn't much. Is David Finley going to be like his dad? Is David Finley going to be an Irish character? Is David? You know, so it seemed like that wasn't something that might be hard for you to do. And I may be projecting that onto you. So what was the motivation to bring in this Irish gimmick into the rebel person? So <laughs> I'll backtrack a bit on that. Uh, so when I first started wrestling i was like 19 years old the last thing i wanted to be was my dad so i was like adamant on like i'm not gonna have any similarities whatsoever but i'm so much like my dad naturally that it just like <laughs> as time has passed i've kind of like morphed into a version of him in in real life like i mean we have similar sense of humor similar mannerisms uh i, I think we wrestle similarly um so just kind of embracing like who I am. I am a Finlay. Um, and and I, to me, that name carries weight. That that comes with like an expectation. Uh, so for me, it was as opposed to like shying away from what I am, embracing it and trying to uh, really reach my full potential of like what I can be in wrestling. Well, I think that's a, that's an interesting thing that you bring up. And I feel like it's it's like natural in our lifetimes, right? So you know, you, you almost, you try to separate so much from family and these things, even though you love them and whatever, but you're trying to find your own individuality. But at some point you kind of come back and you kind of go, well, fuck. Yeah. I am a pagan Viking or whatever. You're Irish, you know, with a yeah. shillelagh, you know? So it's like, at some point you accept that. So 
was there a struggle internally because you've always spoken highly about your father we and you know you obviously have a lot of respect for 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 the i mean like you said four generations of wrestling um but do you feel like there was a struggle for you to kind of come back to that kind of uh, the, uh how would you say it, that heritage uh yeah i did especially when i first decided that i was gonna you know incorporate the shillelagh as you know part of me uh i was real unsure about it because like on one like it's been done my dad did it but also like it is like a heritage thing it's an irish thing it's not just a my right. it's it means something um and uh also i i i think there's a lot of routes that i can go with it um you know in, in wrestling uh and i really feel like we've only you know scratched the surface on that but like I, yeah it, it was a real big struggle because like like you said, it's like finding that like of that balance of like who I really am and my own individuality and also like who I am as like my family and my family name. Because like, you know, if you're a heart, there's an expectation on you. If you're a Mysterio, there's an expectation on you. You know, um, it, it, it comes with the territory. So it, it's really just finding like who I am. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash Fightful. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Within, like, who I really am, I can't escape. 
you, you know, to kind of follow up on this whole shillelagh thing, uh, when you get it, is it A, th this may be a multi-level question, so bear with me here. It Was it your dad's? Did you have one made? Was there like a, hey, dad, can I get this? And there's a tear that runs down his eyes. Like, I thought you'd never ask. And he opens <laughs> up this box and there's a light. And he's like, this is my favorite. Take good care of it. Or did you like throw it at you? And you're like, cool. Bring it back Wednesday. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I texted my dad. I was like, hey, I want to start using the shillelagh. Do you have any left? Because I'm pretty sure he sold them in Japan um he sold a lot of them in japan so he actually had one left he was like yeah i got it i'm like cool so i drive over to his house go get it and this thing's like the knob on it's like this big it's so big i'm like i don't like how this feels in my hand it feels clunky so uh i ended up having my own made um it feels way better also my dad's was like from like 15 years ago i think he got it in like 2006 so like the wood's flaking off it's all like discolored it's like half rotting. Like, it's just not, it was not sturdy anymore. So yeah, I, I got my own shillelagh because I wanted it to be my own. Well, you know, thinking about the great Irish wrestlers that we've had, you know, from the European days, Germany, England, obviously, you know, and, and their style, it's such a, and it's, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, your learning curve is more of that UK European Kind of style of wrestling do you think that fits better with the japanese pro wrestling than the american or would you say the opposite I, honestly i think it can go either way um at least for how wrestling is like today i feel like uh you know like american style versus like the you know the uk european style versus like the japanese style obviously they have their differences but like i feel like the, a lot of them have borrowed from each other to where like it kind it kind of goes wherever you want it to go, you know. It, it can work in America on TV. It can work in Japan, where you know it's it's way more competitive. Uh, I I it kind of works wherever you want it to go, in my opinion. You know, I kind of want to jump back into this whole tag team wrestler thing. And once again, last time you were on, you talked a little bit about it, and you've talked a little bit about it in between. Now you are venturing out. And I think even in that interview, Lars, if I'm correct, he was like, I don't want to team with uh, Juice forever because I want to be a world champion. Yes, now you have that opportunity. I feel like you're welcome. I helped you with that. Uh, because Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> but, but what... I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this about like being typecast because I feel like you were kind of close to being typecast as a tag team guy. And in wrestling, when you start to get typecast as the funny guy, the tag team guy, you it's so hard to break out of it if you can. Somehow you you and Juice both avoided being tag team guys. You venture out on your own. When you look back, do you realize how close you were to being typecast as that guy? uh yeah yeah and i think that's part of where like the split came um i think juice and i just kind of realized that like neither was real like our goals and aspirations did not involve tag team wrestling like we'd done you know we'd been world champions in new japan we'd been world champions in impact we'd won world tag league over new japan we won the belts at the tokyo don't like what we did we've done it do we want to do it again or do we want to move forward and i for both of us it was like nah we have like our own goals that we want to achieve. So it just kind of like naturally happened to where we both also like we, work wise, we didn't know like where we were going to end up working. Uh, 
and it was we didn't want to be tied to each other either so it was just like uh, let's see you know where we both end up and take it from there so just we just kind of like mutually decided that we wanted to pursue our own thing you mentioned that the the g1 and i kind of wanted to get into that a little bit because i always feel like those g1s are the cream of the crop or at least like the the new up-and-comers the, the where the light needs to shine or you know, just the, the badasses, right? And I think it, that tournament's always been that way. You know what I mean? Some are better than others, but so you get invited. Uh, what are you thinking about yourself at that point? I'm just curious, like what's going on in your head? Because that's basically saying, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of one of the ones here. Yeah, so I, I, I've wanted to do the G1 for, I mean, since I got to New Japan, I started off as a junior heavyweight, but like still I was like, I want to, my goals where I want to be a heavyweight. I want to do a G1. Um, and it took me seven years to finally get in the G1. Part of that was, you know, pandemic and, you know, travel issues and visa issues and like injury. So like it, it was snake bit for a while. So for me to finally get to the point where like, all right, I'm in this thing. It's go time. Um, cause I feel like in new Japan, you don't really have the respect of the fans because you haven't been able to prove yourself as a pro wrestler until you've been in the G1, right? Cause I really think that's where, you know, you get thrown into the deep end and it's sink or swim. Um, so to finally be able to like put the work in to be like, no, I'm, I'm as good as I believe I am. I can do this. I'm one of the best wrestlers in the world to finally be able to like put that into action and show that I can do it felt really good to me. Do you, when they come to you, do they ask you if you want to be in it or do you kind of go, Hey, listen, this year, I noticed you're two or three guys short. Do, can I get into this? How does, how does being invited in that? Cause I believe Petey was in a G1. I believe it's either a G1 or, or something super, like that. He was I think in. it was a super junior. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I basically, it was, uh, I, we were talking about like uh, just the future moving forward with what we we're going to do um to, to, just with work and uh i i they brought it up at the same time that i brought it up like they were like we're gonna put you in the g1 and i was going like hey i really need to be in the g1 mm -hmm. um so it was just a mutual agreement of like all right yeah this is where we both want to go with this so uh yeah i was i was really happy i'd been training for it for a long time um i was a little sad that it was a smaller uh a smaller like block system there was four blocks this year so there's only six singles matches usually it's two blocks you get like nine or ten singles matches so like i really want to get thrown into the deep waters but uh you know it was a special g1 they switched up the system so i i think i honestly i don't know but i would assume this next year is going to be back to the regular one so I'll, I'll really like to put in those nine hard singles matches and uh you know showcase what i can do even more well, you know, as, as a wrestler and as a foreign wrestler in Japan, I mean, you know, I've always been sort of curious on how you go about lobbying for yourself in that, because obviously there's a language barrier. There's there's all kinds of barriers there. You know, and if you go to Japan, you know that the cab drivers don't speak English. Nobody really. It's not really like a language that's really known by a lot of the Japanese people and I mean, we're fortunate enough when we go over there, you get a translator. I'm sure that they have their, that there too. But I mean, is there a way, how long did it, did, did it take for you to kind of understand how to communicate what your needs and wants were without looking like, you know, looking stupid, I guess, I guess, I guess for lack of a better term. <laughs> I mean, I, I think to some extent, I probably still look a little bit stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Uh, but I mean, I would say probably the first three months I got there, it was just a nightmare. I had no idea what was going on. Every, like the signs are all squiggles. I don't understand a word of what anyone's saying. I remember my first day at the dojo. I know I probably told this story before, but like we do, we start off the day with a thousand squats and they're counting in Japanese. And I have no idea what number we're on. So I'm just watching the clock. So like that was like my start in new Japan or just in Japan in general. And eventually just like with being immersed in the culture, in the language, like I figured out how to survive. Mm-hmm. Like I knew numbers. I knew what my number was at like truck stops. So I didn't have to ask anybody anymore. Like I could ask for like the basic things that, you know, I would need. Now I'm at a point where like I, I can enjoy my life in Japan and I don't have any issues. Cause I know, you know, I'm a creature of habit. So I go to the same spots. I order the same things. I know what I want. So like now it's no issue, but it, it took like a good three months before I was like, uh, okay, I can kind of navigate this place. Right. Er, earlier in the episode, we were talking about uh, yesterday. I, I want not say yesterday. It was a week ago or so. I got recognized in public. Someone's like, oh, I love the podcast. You're on it. When you go over to Japan, do you remember the first time someone came up and was like, David Finley, because when that, I'm sure you, you get it a little bit over here before you went over there, but you know, now you're over there, different fan base, different culture. How was that for you? So uh, I actually didn't start getting recognized in the States until I started doing impact. Um, but in Japan, I do remember the first time that happened to me because it was bizarre. Cause I grew up growing up. I'd seen this happen with my dad a lot. So to a point where like, I knew it was unusual, but it was also like normal. Um, but again, like it was that was happening to my dad. So the first time it happened to me, I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like, oh, I'm starting to make it. And yeah, I was in Japan at uh, the train station by the dojo, like in like the shopping mall. I was in an H and M on the second floor, and someone came up to me and was like, oh, David Finlay. I'm like, hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so yeah, I took a picture with them and stuff, and I just felt like the coolest motherfucker that day. <laughs> well you know one of the things i was thinking about and i don't think i ever i asked you last time you were here but um as being like an um, um you know a foreign wrestler in japan do do, do any of the japanese wrestlers uh kind of give you guys a grace period like because of the communication maybe there's a botch in something or a misunderstanding in a match or or, I mean, have you ever had like legitimate like heat with somebody because maybe you didn't quite understand what was going on and or anything like that? Um, not that I can think of. Everyone's like really gracious and understanding of like the language barrier. Most of the times so they'll speak English to us, you know, we'll try and, or at least I'll try and like use the Japanese that I do know. So it's like a blend of like really bad Japanese and like English that's like pretty good. <laughs> So uh, obviously they're speaking the English and I'm speaking the bad Japanese. Um, so like it, it, communication wise, like it, it, we figured it out. It's a weird hybrid way of communicating, but like it, it seems to be pretty smooth. You, I kind of want to go back because I was thinking about one of Lars's questions about the the evolution of you, and you you go from clean cut to scruffy to a rebel. And, you know, I know last time you were on, we talked about your creative process and the evolution of you. Now you are reinventing yourself. You are now top of the card. You, you, you've worked your way up. 
do you tie the two together where this is why because I'm here or is it a happy accident where the two the new look will Ospreay and you main eventing come together at the perfect time uh I think for me it was just I I knew I needed to do something different than what I was doing um to get to where I wanted to be so a lot of it was just like taking a gamble on like well let's see what happens um, and I, I just so happened to find success. So I think, I think it was more of a happy accident than anything else. Um, but it just stemmed from like, all right, well, I'm not where I want to be. So like, I, I need to change something about me to get to where I want to be. So it really just came from like, I, I guess almost like desperation, I guess. Cool. Now I got to follow up, Lars. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of young guys that listen to this that want to always get into the wrestling industry and the business, but they don't know how to put those creative building blocks into place. Do you have any advice to give to someone as a guy who has just kind of done it and has been successful with doing it that you can say, hey, you know, if you're looking for inspiration, this is how I did it. I mean, for me, I just kind of took things that like I like in my real life. Like, uh, like I grew up, I was like a skate punk kid, so like I like punk rock music. So like a lot of it is just like, oh, I've seen like different, you know, bands dressed like this, or I've seen this on different, you know. So like the look kind of stems from like a, a rock vibe for me, and it's just like taking inspiration from things that like are me, and like finding a way to incorporate it so that way, like w what I'm putting out into the world is still genuine. Like it is genuinely like a, a part of me. Well, and also I think that what, what's going on right now is unique because there's not like that kind of edgy sort of punk rock kind of thing that's happening in that company. You know, I mean, there's a guy in Daisy Dukes. You got, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who yeah. I love. I love him. I yeah. love him. I love him. I love him. But, you know, you got, you got, and everybody, and or you got Will Ospreay. It looks like a goddamn ostrich. You know what I mean? So it's like, who am I love too? <laughs> You know, yeah, I love yeah. that, you know, I love that. I mean, he's so flamboyant. He's, and, you know, there's so many different personalities. And that's one of the things why I love that company so much is because, you know, there, there's everybody's kind of got an individual thing, you know, um, was so, I mean, coming to that place for you just with your history and everything like that, you know, and now that you've kind of found this groove, it's like, where does it go from here? Like, do you take it that much more extreme? I mean, you know, are we going to see you with great Muda paint on at some point? Just like fucking upside down uh, <laughs> crosses, like King Diamonds and some shit. <laughs> uh, well, I have no, I have no plans of uh, great Muda paint. I don't think I could pull it off quite <laughs> as uh, awesome as he could. Um, <laughs> but I mean, time will tell. We'll see. You know, uh, it's, it, for me, a lot of it's just trial and error and experimenting, like on the go. And uh, I like my creative process is very much like I spitball things. And I take it from there. And uh, so, like, some things work, some things don't. And it, and it's I it really have to like put it out and see like the feedback I get to know like what works and what doesn't. Because like I can be like, oh, I have all these ideas, but like it's it does if it doesn't resonate with people, then it's not going to work. So I have to like it kind of just is like what resonates and what doesn't. Well, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to also say to you is that it is working. What you're doing right now is working. It is speaking to me. It's like I saw you and I was like, oh, yeah, that's his old shit. That's his culture. Like, that's boom, boom, boom. It's like a great amalgamation. A lot of the times when you get like an Irish character, you know, other than maybe your father, let's say there's not a lot of grit to it. So, yeah. you know, how do you, you know, coming up the way that you come up, 
do you think that and i don't think there's a lot of grit a lot of the late uh the newer kind of professional wrestlers you know what i mean was that something that you feel like you 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 sort of um suffered to get in the sense or, or do you feel like that was something you were kind of born with was it like you know part of the lifestyle and in your family like what do you think that because that's i can tell that with you so i don't is that something that you ever been able to put your finger on um so kind of uh so like my i grew up my dad was always like always a tough guy to this day his default is tough guy <laughs> you, know, it's like that. you don't always have to tough guy but you always tough guys it's ridiculous uh, <laughs> so uh so like and that comes from like he grew up in belfast northern ireland during you know a civil war basically so yeah. like he bombs going off and he was having to like fight for his life quite often so like he grew up in a very rugged time to grow up uh my grandfather same thing he was a steel worker as well as a pro wrestler and he you know he was he would do bar fights uh i had a great great grandfather that worked on the building crew of the titanic and apparently during like their lunch breaks they would just bare knuckle box for pints of guinness so like like having grit and fighting and just not being afraid to get like down and dirty and and, in gritty is like ingrained in being a finlay and that was one of the things where I'm like, I need to embrace this and not shy away from this because this, this is part of what makes, I believe what makes me unique. 100%. You just said something a second ago with Lars's, I think, first question here, where you were talking, where you guys were talking about the evolution of you. And it kind of hit me. In the pro wrestling industry, wrestlers get to a certain point and they're afraid to tinker with their image or who they are. And so it feels like they're stuck trying to protect and grow themselves because they don't have the balls to go, you know what, maybe I am going to change the shirt or I'm going to not do this move or do this, you know, mannerism. What gives you that confidence then to say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go out there and try doing this and then this and this when you you are at a spot, you are safe, and maybe there is no need to put it on the line to see if it works or doesn't work. Um, I think because I enjoy the creative process of just like constantly evolving. Um, I've I've grown to really enjoy like just like the quiet hours of like what do I want to try, what do I want to do, kind of you know like studying wrestling or you know just the things that I want to try, and I I just enjoy the whole process of like growing and evolve because like I I when I am done wrestling, I want to be considered one of the greats. Um, and I'm not there yet, which means like I need to keep growing uh, in order to achieve that. Um, that's what I want my legacy to be. I want to go down as one of the greats. So to me, it's like I'm going to keep grinding and finding this path. And, and you know, I might stumble. I might, you know, I I'm, I'm, might strike gold. Who knows? But like I'm going to keep trying until like that is what I become. And that's what motivates me to keep, you know, because I would rather try and fail than just be like scared to try things. Um, and I think that is. I'd, I'd rather just go for it well you know i want to wrap my last question up with just about the san jose show i mean you're coming in basically to california you got a sold out house already i mean you know and we're still a couple of weeks away from when it's actually going to come down or or actually at this point maybe a couple of days but um you know how, how you know your opponent uh and these people that you're wrestling with here it's like let, let me hear what you got for him. 
So Bobby Fish holds a singles victory over me. He beat me when I, in my first Super Juniors, 2015. Um, and then he went off to, you know, WWE. He went off to AEW, but he still holds that win over me. And I know, I know for a fact I'm better than him. I know I can beat him. I know I can avenge that loss. So that's why I want to face Bobby Fish in San Jose. That's what I'm coming with. I want my win back. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with my question and also along the lines of San Jose, where before we hit record, I sat here and listened to you and Lars talk about the wrestling scene in San Jose. And I've not seen wrestling. I've seen wrestling in many different states, but I've not seen it on the East Coast. I'm not seen it on the West Coast. So what I guess this is for both of you guys. What makes that San Jose wrestling scene so different where they just sold out a New Japan show and, you know, I, there's not many shows right now that go anywhere and get sold out? Well, for me, I so the, the venue that we're running, San Jose Civic Center, I think every time we go there, the people are electric, the wrestling's electric. It's just a great venue. It's a night of partying and wrestling, and it's just... It's awesome. Um, the people are coming to have a good time. We're co we're coming to give them a good time, um, and it's just you know it's 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 one of those venues where like you know no matter what like it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be good. Everyone's gonna go home raving about how great a time they had. And I would say you know there's such a deep history and culture of professional wrestling in that area, because you got to remember San Jose never really had a professional sports team until the San Jose earthquakes. And even then they went away a few times. My point is, is that the one thing that was consistent is you had wrestling in that place. You, you know, I, I can't even, I saw Polynesian Pacific championship wrestling in that, in that building. Of course you had the big time wrestling that used to come up and run that building. You had triple uh, a would run that building. So, I mean, I feel like, and also, you know, California, and especially in that area, it's very multicultural. So you get, and, and it's also very smart. And I think there, uh, California in, in, on the Indies and on the, on, in this area, there's a lot of smarter fans. There's a, you know, and you also have a big uh, Japanese population. So I feel like culturally, as far as pro wrestling goes, um, you know, it's, it's actually a really good place. It's, it's actually probably better than a San Francisco. You know what I mean? It's probably mm -hmm. better than a Los Angeles in a lot of ways, just because of the of the the type of people that will come. Because it'll be a melting pot of of different people from different kind of places with different cultures and stuff like that. And I think that's why it works there. Because wrestling, I think, is synonymous with all cultures. I agree completely. Dave, where can people find you, my friend? You can find me on Twitter at the David Finley. You can find me on Instagram at super, super Dave. And that's the only places I really am. Or you can watch me on new Japan world uh, like all the time. Well, for everybody watching the show is over. We're going to say our goodbyes off the air. David Finley. Maybe you'll become a three-time guest here soon. We're glad to have you back. Let's not wait a year and a half to get you back on. Let's do a little Definitely. bit. My friend. All right. Please, yes. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, Wrestling Perspective, follow, do all that stuff, watch. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.